0: We are a faith-based social justice forum where individuals give their perspectives on various topics. It's an opportunity to express their viewpoint, their stance, and their angle on justice issues affecting the community and globally. Each episode features guests presenting their perspective on things like climate change, the church, urban farming, and food insecurity, all through a unique faith lens. Come check us out. Give us your perspective.
1: to Perspectives On, uh, and the Perspectives On's Women's Laboratory, where we're giving the world a voice. I am Lyra Lane White, your host, and tonight uh, we are being joined by uh, the Reverend Dr. Uh, Miriam Burnett, who is the founder of the organization uh, Resource and Promotion of Health Alliance and also serves as Senior Pastor of Jones Tabernacle AME Church. Also joining us is Reverend Allie Holin, Associate Minister of Big Bethel AME Church in Atlanta, Georgia, and Emancipation AME Church, I hope I'm getting that right, in Washington, D.C. Welcome to the show, ladies, and thank you for your presence. The aftermath of the election season is proving to be even more eventful than the election season itself. Not since the War of 1812 have we seen what media and politics is calling an attack on the United States Capitol. Many of our United States congresspersons are naming the president of the United States as the ringleader. In the words of the Republican Congresswoman Liz Cheney, The President of the United States summoned this mob, assembled the mob, and lit the flame of this attack. There's never been a greater betrayal of a President of the United States of his office and his oath to the Constitution. All of this is going on while the American health landscape is still fully engulfed, fully involved in a pandemic where the CDC predicts that more than 90,000 Americans could die from COVID-19 in the next three weeks. And as vaccine rollouts across the country are lower than planned. Today, the state of New York added 13,000 more positive COVID-19 cases to its tally on Thursday, just today, with the statewide positivity rate slightly down from the day prior at 6.42, according to the governor's office. While right here in Georgia, in the state of Georgia, the positivity rate was reported just this morning to be at over 10% in Grady Memorial Hospital, reporting that they are at full capacity in its ICU. What will this division of one of America's uh, political parties have on American culture in the future? If the Republican Party is divided over this, how will that impact American politics? How will impeachment proceedings at the beginning of a new presidential administration impact the effectiveness of the first 100 days of this year? We see that democracy in the midst of chaos, in the midst of the chaos of the last week's events, um, will change the way we engage, uh, engage in democracy. How will that happen? I would I would already see that. We see the evidence of this change in the way we inaugurate our president and the level of security. ABC News reports that there are more than uh, more U.S. troops stationed at the White House and the U.S. Capitol than all of Afghanistan and the Middle East put together. Suddenly, you find that there are a number of U.S. Congresspersons who are afraid for their life, and those who are in the Senate are are having a tendency to vote in accordance to. Uh, their emotion, and some of them are afraid to vote against the current administration. so we have all of these things going on, and in the midst of this, um I really want to get some glean some perspective from our guests tonight on just you know what do we think about um this is the second time that this president is being uh, impeached. How will this affect American culture in the long run? Um, Either one of you can, anybody's willing, to, is, is welcome to, uh, to give their perspective on it. I think I've said enough.
2: And just to make sure, your, your question is, where will this take us in the long run?
1: Yes. We're impeaching a president for the second time, and the impeachable offenses uh, are uh, phenomenal in and of itself, unique. Uh, Not since the War of 1812 have we had uh, an attack on the U.S. Capitol. What is your perspective?
2: I mean, I guess since I'm already off mute, I'll go ahead and jump in. (laughs) But um, from from the millennial perspective, I think that this is it's honestly unbelievable, you know, I think it's, it's, it's believable because we're seeing it happen, but it's, it's unbelievable because as a, as someone, as an adult that works with young people, we're, (laughs) we're dealing with things that I think our, our young people don't even do. Um, and you know, our young people as they are now understand authority and they understand things like abuse of power and, um, abusing power. And so I think that that is it's major for for our gener- for my generation in particular who understands who acknowledges who talks about to to witness this reality in what is now becoming our what is our history. Um, I think it's I think it's really a travesty. I think it's sad, um, and I I really don't know how we can how we can really expect less, you know, how we can expect more from regular citizens. Just recently we heard about how a couple of Democratic Congress members caught COVID um, after they were stuck in the house with other Congress members who did not want to wear masks. And so I think when you are living in a reality like that, these are the professionals. These are the people that we vote into office. These are the people that we hold to a standard, a higher standard, because that's the, you know, that's a part of the oath that they took. And so for this to be the reality on the ground, I think, like I said, it's just a real tragedy. It's unbelievable, almost.
3: I think I, I'm a lot older than than uh, Reverend Hollis Rowland. Uh, I was born in 1960. So I remember the um, the uprisings. I remember the killings. I, I lived through them. I remember going south to family and being told you can't go here and you can't go there. Um, it, this is, for me, is a revisit to those days. Um, and the difference, the major difference is, and I said this last week, folk are uncovered, they're uncloaked. I've had many experiences in my college days where I saw um, folks hooded and um, was was, uh, victimized by that. But folks are unhooded now, they're uncovered. Um, And so, and I say this to my congregation, and I say this to everybody I see who wants to talk about um, elections. Elections is one thing, but then you have to hold people's feet to the fire. I, I can, you can go in office, but then what next? What? what how am I going to hold you to the standard as, as, um, as uh, Reverend Holness Rowland just said? Do we have a standard? And then once we have the standard, how do we hold your feet to that fire? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that that doesn't necessarily just go for, it doesn't, it does not just apply to our elected officials. It applies to each and every one of us. Right. We we gave up a standard some time ago. We also, when we became meophytes, it's a word I just created. (laughs) When we became the people that were com- so concerned about me, mine, I, we lost. Now, again, this is the old person's perspective. We lost the ability to say community. And when we lost community, when we lost knowing who our neighbor was, when we lost being able to walk across the street and say, I'm going to borrow a cup of sugar because. Um, so and so and and the little kids would be able to go across the street and go pick it up my mama needs we we lost everything we did
1: we did well I was born seven years after you (laughs) and uh, of course uh, one of the things that we talked about uh, in my doctoral program was the fact that um, you know we have when we have Movements like the Civil Rights Movement. Um, once the the leader of those movements uh, go away, whether they be whether it be by death, whether they quit, assassination, what have you, the momentum of those movements they almost cease, or come to a com- They almost come to a complete stop, or they they slow down significantly. And so, as a product of those that generation that um that you come from dr. Burnett and even those some of those that pre- pre- preceded your generation um we did not um, and and I've said this before on previous shows we did not in my generation do what we were supposed to do to um, to re-emphasize community so we stopped saying community you're right but that doesn't mean that we didn't know to say community we knew to say community we just didn't do it and so I, I think what we're seeing um, is the byproduct of, in part, of what we did not, what my generation did not do. And so I am um, hopeful, though, because one of the things that I recognize uh, as a part of, as part of what happened last week is that, um, you know, d- democracy held. Because even though they had the insurrection, that's what they're calling it. They still proceeded. They came back um, later, and they they certified the votes, and so we're we're moving on. But we're but the level of caution that we're moving on with is it, it concerns me because I wonder what the impact will be. And one of the things that really uh, that really moved me, and I'm going to share this um, uh, with everybody. What one of the things that that really moved me was uh, a video that that came. That came out it, it when uh, that, uh, you know, during one of the uh, one of the riots, somebody was able to uh, uh, take a uh, take a video of someone actually praying during that time. And uh, Congresswoman. This was Congresswoman. And I can't, I'll I'll have her name in a second, but I just wanted to share that with everybody. (laughs) <laughs> so it was a, it was a video that surfaced as at, in the aftermath of the, uh, what they call the insurrection of, uh, this Congresswoman who was taking time out to pray during, uh, during what she thought or what she felt. And a lot of people felt at that moment was, uh, was mass chaos, was, it was, you know, it was, uh, in fact, it was Congresswoman Lisa Blunt of Rochester, and so I thought that, you know, in the midst of all of that, um, you know, the Bible says if my people will humble themselves and pray, and I just want to, you know, in my faith, I'm saying, I'm thinking that, you know, when you pray, you know, change does happen, and those people were afraid for their lives at that moment, and she took the time out to pray, and, Thanks be unto God. She was able to to come out of that um, safely, uh, and so I'm hopeful. I'm saying all that to say that I'm hopeful that um, everything that happened uh, last week at the Capitol, as well as what's going on even today, just as today with the vote for impeachment, um, that that this government that that sits on the shoulders of of the one that we all that that we all worship. And give praise to um, that this government will hold, and that 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 they will be protected. Uh, Joe Biden and President Elect, President Elect, President Vice President Elect, uh, Kamala Harris, as they move forward. But also in the midst of all of this, we're in the middle of a pandemic, and we've got um, some frightening statistics that are coming out from some of the leaders of of this. on the uh, medical landscape about this, uh, this, this, uh, this vaccine and, and, and the spread of COVID-19. We we were all hopeful for a vaccine and we were all looking for a vaccine to, to come out. And now that the vaccine is here, it just seems as though um, this, this disease is, has picked up the pace. And so um, I just wonder how in the long run, you know, what effect this will have on African American culture, not just African American culture, but you know, all the cultures that were disproportionately affected. And I'll be interested in getting some getting some perspective on that. We've been talking about this all summer, but now it just seemed like a it's even it's a different spin on on what's going on because of we've got the vaccine and now we see that the, the spread of the disease is picking up its pace. So how would this affect um, where we're going as a, as a generation, as a culture, as a country, you know, in terms of how are we dealing with this overall? I, I, well,
2: um, I, I Excuse me, Reverend uh, Burnett, were you going to say something? I
3: I, I, um, I, I was going to say that <clears throat> one of the things that's important to note is that this is not a quick fix. People are expecting that the vaccine is going to fix this today. What we're seeing is a result of what folks did, Thanksgiving, Uh Christmas, Uh New Year's. Yeah. If if there were, uh, well, Atlanta is being victimized by folks deciding that they were going to leave their cities and come to Atlanta because it was open and everything else was closed. Well, where do black folks live? Right. right. In Atlanta. Yeah. So so it's it's a perspective of what are the social determinants of health? What makes us sicker? And why when the rest of the world gets a cold, we get pneumonia? Yeah. Right? That's one perspective. The next perspective that has to be dealt with is this is not a quick fix. Third, we have m- multiple reasons, good reasons, to not trust the system. But then when you have folk like me and others who are the scientists looking at these things and saying, well, come on, or, or, or here, are the, here are the pros, the cons, the risks, the benefits, you make your own decision, but still listening to the rhetoric and the myths, that doesn't make any sense. Then add back in access. And that's for me where my my platform is right now. I'm dealing with the access. Now, it's interesting you should bring up
1: access because um, uh, having uh, uh, joining us tonight also is uh, Perspective On's uh, medical correspondent, Mandana Mayani. Who herself it really is a, a licensed physician, uh, but is studying for her uh, master's in public health, and and she had a very interesting perspective on uh, that access piece, uh, for uh, the access piece, especially uh, in in this country, and from what she's what she has seen. Um, Mandana, did you want to share that, or did you want to you know talk about that a little bit?
4: Yes, thank you for the opportunity. Um, my my concern is that um, even though the, we we say that people have this freedom to ask their providers their questions or share their ideas or make their decisions, still there are many people who don't have that much um, professional lit- uh, literacy or they don't know about medical aspects of everything. Even I saw people who are educated, but for example, he's an engineer or he is in another field. But they don't know any difference between vaccines or shots or influenza. Or I mean, they don't realize what is going on, but still they are dying from the disease. My point is that isn't it better that some t- somebody or some organizations take the responsibility and have people to get the vaccines or I don't want to say force them, but at least educate them that it is better for you. Because it's a, for me, it's a controversy because, for example, I had the um, experience that the specialists gave two chemo options to the patient and choose between them. How we expect that a lay person in the street knows between two kinds of chemotherapies or two kinds of vaccines or the side effects. When somebody doesn't have the knowledge, definitely she or he doesn't have any questions. How they can come up with the questions to find the answer.
1: And I guess the same will hold true with the, the differences in the in the two vaccines that's available, Pfizer versus Moderna,
4: yeah. or the side effects, or the um, indication, or contraindications. How they have to have this knowledge to ask these kind of questions? They get the knowledge when they tune in
3: to shows like this. They tune in to. Uh, I, I have done somewhere in the neighborhood of 30 webinars since last March. Yeah, It's probably more than that. I lost count somewhere along the way. Um, and, and they've been as long, as short as 30 minutes and as long as three and a half hours with detailed information. We have literature out there that gives this information, but unless you access it, you won't know the answers. Now,
1: Well, the, the amazing thing, not to cut you off, Dr. Burnett, but the amazing thing about what you're saying is that the information is out there. Yes, you definitely have, and I applaud you for, for, for what you're doing in African Methodism. But I wonder, um, you put the information out there, you've done more than 30. I wonder if the greater population of African Methodism has really been tuning
3: in. The answer to that is, that it's, and it's not just African Methodism. We, the, the, the videos, the webinars have been accessed by all kinds of folks of all race, creeds and colors. Okay, okay. Um, we've used the, the African Methodism platform to put it out to the information out there, uh, but it has been accessed by many, many people. Okay. Not, when you think of 300 million people in the United States, and the percentage of black and brown, which is a term I don't necessarily like. Um, We've done a drop in the bucket because the masses are not accessing. When you look at, I've done these same kinds of webinars for FEMA. They are better attended by folk who don't look like me, than anyone else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it the health literacy problem is one that is compounded by access. That's now, right. yes, we have a digital divide and we have some folk who have no idea how to get on Facebook, but it's on YouTube. Got a YouTube channel. You, you, you stream this to YouTube. There are other means of getting that information, but it's not being accessed. So I have a problem with health literacy and access. If you don't access it, you don't become more, more literate. That's correct. And that just, that adds, that adds some uh,
1: substance to what, uh, what you're saying, Mondana, about, you know, being educated. How do you, how do you know what questions to ask? Well, I say, you know, in our culture that people don't access the information that's provided for them. And when you say, um, and doc, when you say it's, it's on YouTube, it's on Facebook, it's on, you know, all of these different channels that, that even in the, dis- the communities where you have the disproportionate, uh, those, those, uh, populations that are affected disproportionately, they still have, they have other means of getting access. I mean, they go to the clubs, they go, you know, they go into the grocery store still, they still go into the shopping malls. So there's still an opportunity, and you and and for whatever reason, even if they are accessing it, there's that still that lack of trust, and we see the evidence of that because some people are like, "Oh, I'm not gonna take that vaccine. I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not. I don't want to take it. I don't trust it," and they're going by information that was put out about the Tuskegee experiments. You know, that happened more than 50 years ago. That was 50 years ago. You see. Go ahead.
2: Go ahead. I hear that it was fifty years ago, but I mean, I think that we don't. I think we don't give enough credence to the reality that systemic oppression is real. Um, You know, these things are are by design. This is not just by happenstance. You know, COVID happened last year. Black Lives Matter, you know, happened last year. For an entire year, we saw week after week, video after video this is all post-traumatic stress <laughs> that we're seeing. So when you talk about a stressful year, I mean, last year was a lot. We had a lot of information to learn. You have some black people that didn't even know that Black Lives mattered. So, I mean, I think that all of those things coupled together, it's a lot. And then we also had election year that clearly took precedent over most things if you look on my shirt it says i matter you matter we matter black voters matter and then the back of it says it's about us so if i really look at this this year and in terms of education sure absolutely COVID 19 mattered um you know but at the same time there was a very big push um in favor of the election and educational process geared towards that so i from my perspective, I, I just saw a lot of resources going towards that, and so now that we have gotten past that, it voting still matters. You know, our voice still matters. That's why I thought it was important for me to wear this shirt this evening, even after the the January fifth election here in Atlanta. But at the same time, you know, we have to re engage, I believe, and we have to re focus um and redirect how it is that we really want to serve our community truly because we are i mean we're we're really just at varying degrees as Dr. Burnett said some people do have access some people don't you know when we think about and then just looking at our community as a whole i had to write notes and so when you think about like covid happening this year and and something that came up for me while you all were talking Was about the how we all saw it happen this year. COVID nineteen was an issue, and then when they said, "Oh, it's disproportionately um, impacting Black folks," they said, "Okay, well, all the essential workers need to be at work." Well, who were the Black people? They were essential workers, right, right. And so I think that it wasn't, you know, it. We have just been placed at the bottom of the totem pole, and in every genre and it's very unfortunate. And so I'm really concerned about the people at Adams Inspirational AME Church in Fort Washington, Maryland, because many of them are from that generation. Like you, Dr. Burnett, I've seen KKK rallies. I've seen trucks come into my mother's churchyard and I'm a millennial. So these are other people that have also grown up in in this era and they're very concerned. They're worried, they remember lynchings. So I'm so concerned about COVID-19 I'm concerned about the post-traumatic stress that they're experiencing. I mean, and as Dr. Burnett said, she has been very progressive in terms of making sure that the AME church has had a policy very early on when people were talking about a lack of PPE. She was already talking about us getting out of our churches, making sure we do deep cleanings before we come back in and making sure we're following protocol. And so I think folks are really going through though, you know, COVID, COVID matters. Absolutely. But so do just, you know, COVID matters, but then there's the reality of just walking while you're black or going to the gas station while you're black or sending your child out of your home just because they're black and someone misperceiving the look that they provide. And so I think some of those things have just taken somewhat of a, I don't want to say a precedent, but you know, there are things that we can, some of us can do to prevent COVID, but there's nothing you can do per, to prevent being black. And so I think that for a lot of folks that has just unfortunately, in terms of the educational cycle, it just seems like there's been a, a prior, like an unspoken, so to speak, priority list. And, and it looks like these things are being hit in that order. So I, you know, I'm hopeful that, that we can address it, absolutely. But I think that there are a lot of other things on our plates and folks are really juggling and folks are really stressed and getting stretched out very thin. So I think those are those are just some things we need to consider in terms of our community and how they're absorb absorbing the information. We're on o- information overload. When y'all sit for an hour you're like okay, enough. You know, I'm an adult learner and when I'm sit for an hour I'm like okay, after that hour enough. So we're piling stuff on their plates. It's just a lot. And so I think we also have to think about that in terms of how we're disseminating the information. In, in addition to that, and, and I agree with everything you said, in addition to that,
3: we still are victimized by all of the things that made us vulnerable for COVID to begin with. Yes. From quarters, from a social and, and physical environment standpoint, the stress that we see every day makes us at risk because stress decreases your immune response. We We, we tend to live in close quarters, we tend to have all of the things that make us uh, more immune uh, sensitive, the, the, the diabetes, the hypertensions, the heart disease, the kidney disease. When you start looking at how COVID affects the body and the different organs, we're more likely to walk in the door with that problem anyway. So, so you just can't deal with COVID. You got to deal with what made us vulnerable to begin with agree yeah
1: yeah and, and and so my concern with with all of that is we've got a new administration coming in mm-hmm. as soon as that oath of office is taken is it, it, as soon as he takes that oath of office he's got to deal with all of the things that
0: mm-hmm.
1: all of the wrongs that need to be corrected okay? And then he's got this Congress, this entire branch of our government, that rather than be on that same page or that same momentum, they've got to still talk about or deal with impeachment and and, and, and beefing up security. And they've got to deal with, as human beings, they've got to deal with their own anxieties about serving in the United States Congress or the United States Senate. And with their presumably with their lives, uh, you know, <laughs> at risk. And so my concern is with all of that, how with all of that going on, how would that affect American politics and and or these all of these issues that we're that, you know, that we're bringing up tonight? When will we get a chance to address those issues, you know, bring those issues that you talked about, uh, Reverend Holden's role to the forefront? When would there be an opportunity for us to do that if we still got to worry about you know uh impeaching the president or you know people idiots rushing the capital? that's that's the thing that
3: really concerns and, and when, when and we're not just the u.s capital in dc it's all right. around the country it's our churches and so one of the things i did today was i put out a a statement that said reevaluating and assessing church and church leaders readiness and preparedness for active shooter, intruder in the building, vandalism, lockdown and shelter in the place. We have to revisit those things and we've got to revisit those now. But one of the things we have to do is divide and conquer. We've got, you just named what 10, 12 things on the plate. Well, we need 10, 12 leaders. Yeah. Everybody take one and get your team together, and we come out with leaders. What we did in the 50s and the 60s is there wasn't one person in charge of everything. And and this thing about, well, I've got to shine. No, no, you don't shine when we're all failing. So we've got to play it all together.
2: Yes, ma'am. Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's definitely, I think it's that part for me. We don't really have, I don't think it's an, I don't think it's a choice. You know, I don't, I don't think we have a choice or the, it isn't, it's a luxury to be able to wait for someone else to do what you need to be done. I think that is a luxury. And I think unfortunately at this juncture, that is a luxury that we don't have because we have already been miseducated. We have already been overlooked. We have already been bamboozled. You know, all those those words fill in the blank i mean all of those things have already happened to us generally speaking so i don't think we can wait until anyone takes office because for those of us that believe in god we are not concerned about who is in office anyway because we believe that god is the has the ultimate say so so nothing can happen but for god if and if we really believe that then i think that that can't matter to us who's in the white house can't matter i mean maybe as a person sure as an individual but as a collective unit we have to still continue to forward i believe and continue to push and mobilize our issues because no you know look at how this election was carried by us by people of color by black women you know these are all of the things that we heard across the CNNs, the msnbcs and other news publications and so when we hear that there's obviously value in our voice. They hear it, but they're overlooking us. And so I think that we cannot continue to wait for someone else to do for us what we can do for ourselves. We have, we have medical doctors, we have attorneys, we have people who are educated, people who are certified. We can do it for ourselves. And so I think we just really have to mobilize and really get together and yes dr burnett is absolutely correct it's not about the individuals and i think so many movements have died because they were about individuals um you know people were following an individual and when the individual was no longer there oh my gosh woe is me nothing can continue on what all of us are still here our issues are still the same our issues are still you know some issues that my mother has dealt with and auntie excuse me dr burnett has dealt with and you um dr white have dealt with are things that i'm de- you know i'm still dealing with right now and things that i'm concerned that my children may have to deal with so for me it's it's i can't wait for them to you know to to make up their minds i have to make sure that i am you know a part of and so the way that i do that for those that are wondering i mean i try to instill hope in in our young people and remind them and redirect because maybe this you know maybe the folks older than me maybe it's over, maybe y'all don't, you know, and maybe me and others don't wanna learn anymore. I'm a lifelong learner, but I'm just saying. But I believe that our younger generation, they 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 really do have next. So to, you know, in my personal opinion, it's about making sure they understand what our issue are, issues are, making sure they know that education is important, you know, that there's more to them than what's in between their legs. And I think that that is so important when we talk about carrying on. We. We're not gonna be here forever. I think someone has already said that's why movements die with people dying. You know, we talk about all these great leaders that die in office, and yes, what they've done is wonderful. But what about extending your hand back and mm-hmm. up training someone so that there is not nothing that is missed, so that there is no confusion, so that there is you know full a, a nice transfer of leadership versus you dying and us trying to fill a seat. And so I think that that is very important um, in t- in terms of what what we do as far as regenerating our community, because no one is going to do it for us. So I think that, you know, that's off the table. We're going to have to do it ourselves.
3: I think one of the things that keeps happening um, right here, right now, is an example of what we were talking about community. and Holness, Aunt Roland and I are not blood family, (laughs) right? But her mother and I, Go back to when we were teenagers. That's how long we've known each other. So when she calls me auntie, that's what the black community used to do.
4: Completely we, we
3: and, and that's hard to break. I mean, you saw what happened when we came on before before the uh before we went live. You know, she came on the screen. I didn't know she was coming, and I was like, "Hey, baby." <laughs> we 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 have to go back to those days. It's a perfect example of what we need to reclaim. So that's okay, Reverend Holis.
1: <laughs> we absolutely do reclaim We we absolutely we absolutely do. And and it was my hope, you know, at the beginning of this of this uh, this pandemic. Uh, there was a powerful message that came out um, and I have to, I have to think of it, as, but it talked about, the, the, especially in the wake of a shutting down about the healing of a land. And when, and, and when, when, the, when everything had to shut down, we were forced to, to, to look inward. We were forced to come together as a community. We were families were forced to force to, to reevaluate and take a second look at what's, you know, what does it mean to be a family? What does it mean to be self-sufficient? Now people are growing their own food. They're being more proactive about their health, hopefully. Uh, and so I think it's, it's, America is probably going through a serious learning curve or relearning curve uh, as a result of what's going on. And, and, and you said something very powerful earlier Reverend Holness Rowland about um, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Dr. Burnett. You said something very, uh, very powerful earlier about uh, people coming back. People coming back to community, or 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 we need to do it on our own. We don't have to shine. There's not a we don't we don't have to look to shine. Okay, we have we already know what needs to be done. So you get your team together, right? And you go ahead and, and you do your part, and, and and that's what grassroots grassroots is all about, and 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 just a little bit at a time, we'll get there. We'll get there. We're in this thing together, and we will get there. And so, and we can do it uh, ourselves, uh, as you say, Reverend Holiness Rolling. We can do it, and uh, we just have to we just have to redirect and, and look at this and take this as a time of healing. Yes, uh, Madam, did you want to say something?
4: I think, like you, you and Bernard said, being as a community, it it is easier for us because it is in our nature. We are social, um, social uh, human beings, and it is how we live. And individually living, I think, difficult, more difficult for us as being as a social um, life and. I think it's our nature and we have to be in a community to be more uh, relaxed and less stressful. Mm -hmm. And that is the
1: impetus for this show, um, for the Women's Laboratory, is for us to recognize uh, who we are as a community and and take some time to also address uh, these issues from a woman's perspective. Uh, And just take a look at uh, what's going on. Just like in a laboratory, you go into a laboratory, you're examining an issue, you're examining problems, uh, and you're talking it through. And what are the solutions? I think tonight, in closing, I think tonight we have uh, discovered that a very important solution to this problem is that we have to find our way back um, to community. We have to be able and we can just start by saying the word community. And we're going to come together, not Republican, not Democrat, not politician, not Jew nor Greek, uh, as the Bible says. We're going we're gonna to come together as a people and, and 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 heal. Let's work on both sides of the aisle and let's be in community with one another. And uh, on that note, we're going to close out. And and I just, for final words, I uh, just want to get your perspective on, um, I think we've already, uh, did you, I think you guys have already answered my my closing question, but um, <clears throat> what is the hope that you have that we'll see an end uh, to what we're going through uh, right now? Just in a statement or two. I'll, I'll start out while you, while you ladies are thinking. I'll start out by saying that my hope is Built on nothing less, <laughs> okay. I don't want to necessarily always quote the, quote the Bible. I'm probably one of those who call a Bible thumper, but I, I I would say that I'm really not. But some people will say I'm a Bible thumper. But uh, my hope is built on on nothing less than that. This is this that that what's going on now. That there is a higher power at work, and that we allow ourselves to be caught up. In all of the rhetoric that's going on, and I call it rhetoric, and all of the happenings and all of the energy coming as a result of, for example, what happened at the state capital. I mean, at the U.S. capitol last week. If we get ourselves hung, too caught up in that, then we take away from the, the, the essence of the higher power. The higher power is the one That's gonna that holds dominion over all of it, and we've seen it. And history has shown us that this higher power is at work, and he's not. He's this higher power. It can be touched by the feeling of our infirmities. This higher power is not just sitting by and watching us make fools of ourselves and try to destroy democracy, but it's actually at work. And so, my hope is that uh, people will begin to see that. That's
2: my hope. This is such a tough one, but I guess my, you know, sticking with your, your theme, my, my hope would be that we can overcome, um, this as we have overcome everything else. From the time we were taken off the shores of Africa to the time we got here, to the time we were dropped off in Jamaica, some of us, and other islands, and to where we are right now. You know, I, I think that Michelle Alexander and Brian Stevenson uh, stated so well. We've come from uh, slavery uh, to integration, segregation, integration, and mass incarceration. So I think just continuing to, to forward our people is my hope. That one day we really will be equal, and that we will be seen as human beings and treated with the dignity, honor, and respect that we are deserving of, regardless of gender. So that's my hope. Okay.
4: All
3: right. My hope is that we all take our piece of the pie, Mama. My, my. Take our piece of the pie and yeah. work and work it. Make sure that what we do, we do with excellence. And if the only people we are impacting are are the five people around us, those five people impact the next five and then becomes an exponential increase on resolution to where we find ourselves right now.
1: All right. Sounds good. Sounds good. Mondana, anything you, what's your hope?
4: My hope is to... Be able to do the thing that Dr. Bernet said. I can do my part to help others and take an action in my community to help people.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Well, we're going to close out tonight, and I just thank everyone for viewing and listening to us and joining into the Women's Laboratory. Uh, on next week, we will be talking about... Uh, Climate crisis will be the emphasis. uh, Will be it will be the emphasis on for next week's show. We will have two activists on, who will talk a little bit about uh, some of the good things that are coming with the next administration, uh, with regard to uh, the plan for this, uh, uh, the absence of net carbon and uh, this uh, this clean economy, clean air economy that, that uh, President-elect Joe Biden is pledging to, uh, to be a part of, of, our, of, of American, uh, the American environmental uh, justice uh, movement. And so we'll be talking a little bit about that. And until then, uh, I leave you with those famous words by the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, that whatever affects one directly affects us all indirectly. Good night, everyone, and continue to think some good thoughts, even in the midst of this pandemic.
0: Welcome to Perspectives On, where we're giving the world a voice. We are a faith based social justice forum where individuals give their perspectives on various topics. It's an opportunity to express their viewpoint, their stance, and their angle on justice issues affecting the community and globally. Each episode features guests presenting their perspective on things like climate change, the church, urban farming, and food insecurity, all through a unique faith lens. Come check us out. Give us your perspective.